It's time for episode 98 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, August 5th, 2015. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that will self-destruct in 30 minutes. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm flying solo this week with the help of three fantastic guests, because it, it just takes three fantastic guests to, uh, to, to live up to the task when Jason Snell is not here. To my immediate left, from the wire cutter, Jackie Chang is here. Hi, Jackie. Hello. Welcome back. Thanks. I love being here. Uh, directly across the table from me, as in the internet fashion, uh, is Giant Space Cat's Brianna Wu. Hi, Bri. Hey, what's up? Uh, and to my right is Refinery29's tech editor, Christina Bonington. Hi, Christina. Hello. Welcome back to you as well. Yeah. All right, let's kick it off. I'm the only host today, so I'm going to go first. There was a report going around that was uh, somewhat debunked this week that Apple might launch its own cell service. Apple, of course, has said that's not going to happen. Um, I was really interested in this story just from the perspective of uh, whether the cell phone services are sort of moving into a realm kind of like the cable companies where they're you know becoming dumb pipes or is is that something that's not going to happen because I know Google has also launched an MVNO in recent months and is looking at sort of providing cell phone service so I'm curious whether you think this is a there's a trend towards other companies you know tech companies who make devices wanting to have a little more control of the networks or whether this is just you know another sort of uh, flash in the pan Jackie what do you think um, well, what you guys didn't see was me rolling my eyes so far in the back of my head, because this rumor, I feel like this rumor is one of these that just keeps bubbling up every so often. Um, it's kind of almost like the iPhone mini rumor. <laughs> so, so in that sense, I'm just like, oh, here we go. Um, but you know, I, you do make a good point in that generally speaking, tech companies seem to be, you know, chattering a little more about this kind of stuff. Um, and, and possibly being cell carriers and having more control. So in a way, I guess I'm not surprised. Um, I, I I don't think Apple would ever really want to get that involved. Um, that's not to say that they won't ever, but that's just what I believe. Um, it just seems like it's, it's too much into the weeds with dealing with, uh, you know, cell stuff um, and dealing on the service end too uh, with, with users on the user end. So, you know, but that said, I, I do think that we are moving in a direction where, uh, you know, our connections are becoming dumb pipes. And I think that's what the cell carriers, the existing cell carriers have been afraid of for years now at this point. And it kind of is becoming a reality. So you, you almost can't blame them. Well, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine that actually, um, you know, he he works on repairing cell towers and, you know, is very familiar with the data that they collect. And, you know, his theory about this is it seems likely that Apple has some deal with, you know, the different cell phone companies and maybe has some very small MVNO set up, but just for diagnostic purposes when they are, you know, testing their iOS devices or their new iPhones. So, you know, that's my personal theory about this. But what is so funny, I think, for people that seriously cover Apple is just seeing how much normal people don't understand the company at all. Because, like, Apple is in the business of making products that bring you joy. 
Whereas your cell phone company, like you hate them, right? <laughs> so it's like, it's like, what's next? Like Apple goes into the debt collection business or funeral <laughs> homes. Like, you know, it's completely incompatible with this. It's just a laughable rumor. Uh, the funeral home's a real soup to nuts thing. Like, yeah, we get you at the birth and then we get you all the way to death. <laughs> Christina, how about you? Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like this is a rumor that, you know, pops up every once in a while. And I feel like if Apple was going to do this, they would have done it long before now. Um, and yeah, it's definitely at this point, it doesn't seem like something that kind of fits their DNA. It's, it's it, yeah, like Brianna said, it's it's not something that's going to bring you joy. And, you know, I think there's 100,000 other things that Apple could do that are, you know, a better use of their time and resources. <laughs> Yeah, I I bit down pretty hard on this one. Maybe just I think I was blinded by my hatred of the cell phone companies is what it was. <laughs> I was like, yes, let this be true. I want to get rid of them. Um, so I yeah, I I sadly kind of was like, oh, maybe this will actually happen. And and I thought there were some you know with Google having gotten into this realm, I thought it might be at least plausible. But I think you guys all raised great points, and it just would be a huge mess for them and something that they probably really wouldn't want to involve themselves in very much. Plus, they probably don't want to tick off all their existing partners by competing with them. So we'll bid adieu to that rumor until it pops up again next time. (laughs) Uh, Jackie, what topic did you want to discuss today? Oh, boy. Well, my topic was um, the hitchhiking robot, uh, also known as Hitchbot. So we just before this, we all kind of had a moment of sadness because um, for for those of you who have not been following the story, um, Hitchbot, if you if you Google Hitchbot, you'll you'll find him. Um, Hitchbot is a robot. It is kind of a combination social experiment and like uh, art installation kind of. It's a robot. I wouldn't exactly say it's an advanced robot. (laughs) Um, It's kind of a a gimmicky little robot. But the whole point is that um, these people who developed him drop him off somewhere and there's some instructions uh, with an ultimate goal destination. And it's supposed to rely on the kindness of strangers to take him towards that goal. So uh, the creators had sent him across a few countries like Germany and Canada and I think the Netherlands or something. Um, And then they started him in the United States. And then like 300 miles later, somebody beat him to death and now he's dead. So, you know, it's real sad. Obviously, everyone everyone gets really attached to a hitchhiking robot or robots in general. Um, I think, you know, there's the, the argument over how sad is it is really about, you know, whether we should be sad because somebody would do this to a robot, uh, an innocent little robot, or whether uh, this is, like, emblematic of, like, some of the social problems we have in the United States. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? You know, I think it's, it's, I would fall on the side of saying it's emblematic of some of our, our social problems in the United States. I consider myself someone that has a PhD in people being terrible on the internet. <laughs> like, I consider myself that's, an That's expert, the worst degree expert. ever, Brianna. Right. <laughs> so I was, I was looking on Twitter last night and like this thing came through my feed and it was a story written by, you know, like, uh, a company that you would not expect to write something like this. And it, the story was Hitchbot had it coming. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, who on earth would write that? Yeah, I read the story and it's like, well, Hitchbot is basically, you know, like an iPhone hooked up to like just a, just a, a garbage can. And I'm glad he's dead. And I'm like, Oh my God, what is going on here? Um, I, I think, 
I think Jeez. like is really emblematic of um, our lack of empathy sometimes. Yeah, I know part of the discussion has been like, is this a reflection on Americans? Because, you know, like Hitchbot managed to get across Canada with no problems. I think the N is not large enough to like statistically determine that or not. But I think it's certainly troubling. And, you know, the social experiment here, like the thing that they're trying to figure out is like kindness from strangers. And, you know, does that end up working? And, you know, I think America <laughs> failed that test, sadly. So um, I will avenge you, Hitchbot. I want to know who did this to you. And I will bring the full force of Brianna's Twitter against the people that did this crime. <laughs> yeah, so um, so a video actually came out of, of the guy that destroyed Hitchbot. And so it took place um, <gasps> oh, is around... It out? Yeah, yeah. Oh um, it's, it took place around 5 a.m. on the Saturday morning. So I think the good news is it wasn't like someone in broad daylight just like ripping Hitchbot apart. It oh. was like a guy that was probably, you know, like messed up after a night of really hard partying and saw this thing <laughs> oh, and man. just decided, hey, man, I'm going to, like, kick <laughs> kick this thing to shreds. Um, but that's still really sad and awful. Um, I feel like we do have a robot kicking problem in the U.S. as well. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a video, I think it was of a big dog, the Boston Dynamics robot, yep. and mm. uh, of people, um, of one of the researchers kicking big dog and showing how it recovers from being kicked and, you know, the uh, the motor dynamics and stuff. But they're kicking big dog and there's this video of it and I felt so bad for big dog and I think, um, yeah, um, we should watch, you know, how we treat robots and also document this because I think it's going to come back to haunt us in the robot uprising. <laughs> that That's why I'm always very nice to robots. Uh, and I, I mean, I agree, with, I agree with all you guys that this is kind of sad. I mean... I don't know. I picture Hitchbot was very like, he's like Wally like, right? Like, it's like, who would beat up Wally? Wally's great. Or R2D2 or something. So I, I think that this is, I mean, uh, to your point, I think that since we're studying the kindness of strangers, and, and as one of you said, America failed that test pretty good. So I hope that gives you some sort of conclusive study, researchers. America is awful. Um, but I I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, having spent enough time in places like, I don't know, college campuses, right? Like, it, all it had to do was, you know, end up on one college campus, and I feel like sooner or later somebody was going to break the thing. So it's really disappointing, mainly because I wanted to see you know, I wanted to sort of follow Hitchbot's progress and see how far it made it. And the fact it didn't even get off the eastern seaboard was was pretty <laughs> depressing. I will say it got in and out of my hometown of Boston with no problem and even went to a Red Sox game and survived oh, that. Oh, so yeah. look, pretty look, impressive. Wasn't Plus us. One for Boston. <laughs> that's only because he didn't have like a Yankees team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? That's like a subtle way to set up Hitchbot for failure. Right. Yeah, wear this right. Yankees hat, Hitchbot. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> Jackie, did we satisfy your 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 questions? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I guess the one consolation is that I feel like um, they handled it well on the other side. You know, they they kind of spun it positively on the website, just saying, you know, he he was happy with the time that he had with everyone. So, you know, that that's nice. That's all we can. <laughs> that's all any of us can ask for. Yeah. Um, well, that's two topics down. That is halftime, uh, and I'd like to tell you about our sponsor. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Fracture. Fracture is a great company with a really fantastic product. They're transforming how people print and display their favorite images, and they do it 
in an amazing way. A trillion photos will be taken in 2015, and Fracture wants to rescue your favorite moments from the dark corners of your camera roller timeline. It's really simple. You upload a picture to FractureMe.com, and they don't just make a print of it. They make a print of your photo directly on a piece of glass. Uh, I don't know how they do it, but it does seem a little bit like magic. Uh, once you receive your fantastic glass photo print, you want to mount it to display it to the world. This is super easy. They apply backing that lets you immediately mount on your wall, and you don't even need a frame at all. Everything you need is included. Uh, I personally haven't used Fracture, but I know my co-host Jason Snell has a number of Fracture prints in his office. They are really cool looking. He's got several of the different uh, podcast logos that he's on, including a clockwise one, and I think he has a couple of additional photos there as well. Uh, they really are kind of a, a nifty, pretty classy way to uh, spice up your office or home decoration. Each fracture is hand-assembled and checked for quality by their small team in Gainesville, Florida. You can get them in five different rectangular sizes, all the way up to 21 inches by 28 inches. And there are some three different square sizes, which are perfect for those aforementioned logos and app icons, podcast artwork, Instagram shots, album covers. Uh, so everybody who's a creator out there, it's a great way to sort of display your brand or, you know, something to do with your own personal identity. Fracture prints make great gifts for friends and family. Prices start at just $15, so they're not going to break the bank. You can help support this show and the rest of Relay FM, and you'll get 10% off your first order using our coupon code CLOCKWISE. Just go to FractureMe.com to get started. Remember, use coupon code CLOCKWISE, and thanks so much to Fracture for supporting Relay FM. All right, halftime's over. Brianna, what's your topic today? My, my topic is, um, you know, there was a, a report from Boing Boing that came out this week that I found very, very troubling. So Windows 10 is out. Um, you know, I, along with a lot of other people, am very excited about it. I'm happy to see Microsoft kind of on their game again. Um, but what's very troubling about it is, you know, privacy experts have kind of started to, you know, look through it and figure out what information it's sending, um, you know, Microsoft. So by default, Windows 10, um, you know, will log your keystrokes. It will um, not just access your microphone selectively um, and give that information to Microsoft. It will also pass that information along to Microsoft's partners that they trust, not who you trust. Um, they will also mine your um, purchase history and send that information to advertisers. And you know, there are options you can go into to turn all these things off because it's Windows. But, you know, I talked about this on, on Twitter and I got the, you know, the tremendously unhelpful techie response, which is like, well, I set this off. Why can't you figure out how to do this? Which just, it's, it's so condescending every time I hear that. I, you know, I don't want to sound like an Apple fangirl here, but you know, this really is the model that, you know, both Microsoft and Google have kind of trained the public to tolerate at this point in 2015. Um, you know, someone made a really good point yesterday that this is simply the um, model that Microsoft works with their hardware partners to install on your machine by default. <laughs> so, you know, I, it's, it's very troubling, though, to see it baked into the OS at a high level like this. And, I really wish that more companies besides Apple would take consumer privacy seriously. Yeah, I feel like the general public um, has no idea of, of how much uh, their data, their information, their keystrokes, their purchases are being tracked. And by sending something like that 
um, in my in Windows 10 as the default. Uh, tons of people are not going to realize that's happening and are not going to switch it off and protect their privacy. Um, and I think that's a that's a big problem. Um, you know, so first, you know, we need to educate people about what's happening, and then we need to start, um, you know, fixing it. And I agree. I think it's up to these companies should be like um, like Google and Microsoft should be taking bigger precautions in protecting user privacy and keeping that information from just, you know, getting in the hands of of advertisers and um, who knows who else. Um, yeah, I, I don't agree that, you know, that's that's a good thing at all. Yeah, I I think that the, you know, the, you mentioned the condescending response you got, Brianna, and I thought mm-hmm. the first thing I think about that is like, well, don't you people have like friends or family members who aren't very tech savvy and wouldn't know to turn this off? Aren't you concerned about them? Because that's kind of where I always come down at, especially because so many of the people I know using Windows are often not super tech savvy people. They just bought like their cheapest laptop, right? And and I feel like those are the people who I'm most worried about having their data mined in there and taken advantage of because they just don't they don't know enough. Like Christina said, we need to educate people about this and let them know that this is a problem. Um, but I think that you are right also that there's a there's a deeper problem here, and it's the sort of insidious one of we've all been you know trained to kind of be very lax with our personal information and let that get mined for our you know convenience's sake or even other reasons that we're not quite sure of. I was looking at that article and it's like, among other things, they can look at your location, keystrokes and browser history, you know, like that's, and even your microphone. And a lot of that, you know, any of that that's shared onwards is like potentially really, uh, really identifying or really possibly, you know, generally stuff that you don't want other people to have access to. So, I agree that I feel like other companies should be taking this more seriously. And I think that, you know, for, for Google or something, that that's pretty much their bread and butter, right? Like they really like mining information because that's how they're, that's sort of the backbone of their business. But at the same time, I feel like Microsoft, yeah, I know that Windows 10 is a free upgrade for a lot of people, but it seems like I kind of wish they wouldn't fall back to this because it seems it seems shady and it's, you know, you guys make a good product, sell that product and compete on the merits of that product. Jackie, what do you think? Does anyone else feel like it's sometimes it's like Groundhog Day in the tech world? <laughs> like, like, you know, most of us have been like covering it from a kind of a news standpoint for a long time now, you know, and, and I feel like I've covered this exact story, but swapping in different companies like all the time, basically, maybe not exactly, but, you know, the same general sentiment. And, and it's always the same. It's always like, oh, there's some feature that is on by default that collects all this info and people don't even know about it. And yes, you can turn it off, but you have to find it, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's always the exact same story in that sense. So to me, it seems kind of dumb that, um, I mean, obviously, I think it's pretty clear that Microsoft has certain goals with setting it up this way, but they should be well aware at this point um, especially now in our day and age with social media, they should be well aware that people are going to find that and people are going to be upset about it. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so, you know, I I kind of can't believe it, but I can believe it because, um, you know, ultimately the the commercial interests, I think, are the, the ones that are overruling this, this whole thing. But, um, you know, y- yeah, I guess just like everyone else, I... You know, I'm not really a Windows user, but if I was, I would find it to be upsetting and I would be telling everyone how to turn it off. Um, you know, and I'm not normally a huge privacy freak, actually. I, I kind of take this middle ground where I, I generally understand, you know, what I'm giving away and what I'm getting for that. But um, this kind of stuff, you know, 
it also feels weird to me. And I think it might feel, you know, not to pull the woman card, but I think it might feel weird to a lot of women because uh, we've gone through weird situations where people have been following where we are sometimes uh, here and there. And I think even though, you know, this is like Microsoft and it's mostly for them and their, you know, ad partners or whatever, um, it just feels, you know, I, I just don't like knowing that that data is floating around somewhere uh, in a cloud. Um, you know, it just, I just don't like it. I think Microsoft has uh, frat boy levels of trust with the Wu household, personally. So, yeah. yeah. Like if um, Microsoft saw a robot in the street, it'd probably right. just kick it a few yeah. times. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. You, you don't trust Microsoft robots. So, um, yeah, very disturbing. Maybe, you know, journalists out there should just write a template story and then just plug in the nouns and verbs when it changes every uh, few months. That sounds really time efficient, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's three topics. Christina, what have you brought for us today? Early on and, you know, over, you know, the past few years, one of the big differentiating factors between, you know, Android phone hardware and iPhone hardware is that Android phones often have a removable battery and SD card. Much more recently in the past year or so, uh, companies like Samsung are taking that away. And the latest is uh, reportedly the Galaxy Note 5, uh, there's been some leaked images that show that it, like the Galaxy S6, will have no SD card and no removable, removable battery. And I just kind of feel like this is interesting. Uh, like, it's the end of an era. You know, we have no need for SD card slots anymore because, uh, because cloud storage is so, um, so popular and so ubiquitous. I can't say that word. <laughs> ubiquitous now. Um, and then... As far as like removable batteries, you know, we're just getting rid of our, our phones every two years rather than replacing, you know, keeping the battery life healthy and trying to keep that phone for longer. Or, you know, there's all these cases that you can use instead of uh, hanging on to an extra battery to swap out. Um, but I just feel like this is kind of emblematic of something happening with the smartphone space in general. And it's just, I don't know, it was just something interesting. I just wanted to hear what you guys um what you guys' thoughts are on this topic, although I think most of us are iPhone users. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm guessing most of us are iPhone users, and therefore we've all suffered the indignities of not having a removable battery or SD card for years (laughs) on end. Um, But I think Apple had the right approach, and I think the reason that a lot of these other manufacturers are going down this line is because uh, of what Apple discovered it could do by not designing around those. And in essence, what it could do is make a much smaller, much easier to manufacture phone because it didn't have to worry about having a removable you know, backplate or designing around an SD card slot. Uh, and from Apple's point of view, those were always going to be limitations that would prevent it from getting to the design it wanted to get to. So in that case, I think that, you know, Samsung especially, which has positioned itself very much as a direct competitor to Apple in this space, uh, is realizing that probably my guess is the number of people who actually take advantage of those features um, compared to those who would probably prefer a lighter, slimmer phone is, you know, an equation they ran at some point decided, look, not enough people are buying extra batteries. Uh, SD card storage is nice, but you know it's not really a supplement for onboard storage. A lot of those like early Android phones, like they would have like some paltry amount of storage on board, and then oh, you just put in an SD card, and it's like, well, that's kind of silly, right? You know, why not just have it all built right in? Well, I definitely agree that I think that we're you know moving down a path where this will become more common. Um, 
this is actually something I can offer a little bit of our own like data on from Wirecutter. Actually, I shouldn't say it's data because I don't know the exact numbers, but um, we, you know, we run a lot of surveys as part of our coverage and um, we've generally found that people like, I, I don't want to put a number on it because I, I don't want people writing me hate mail and I don't know the exact number, but I know that generally speaking, um, according to our surveys, most people actually don't really need or want um, an SD card slot when they're buying an Android phone. Like generally they're the same as iPhone users. They just kind of want something that works. Um, hopefully it looks nice and, and has good software too. And, and the whole thing functions, but um, you know, SD card slots are really important to a certain segment of the population. And I think we know that that generally most of the time can be kind of the more hardcore, like nerdy side, which is fine uh, if that's what they like. But, you know, your your mother or your parents or your friends, like, don't always care about that stuff. And so I think that's what, um, in a way, that's what Android, you know, manufacturers are sort of finding that, you know, there might be a couple models here and there that sort of cater to the that segment who want you know, SD cards and removable batteries. But overall, people just just want something that works. They're not going to fiddle with it too much. Even with the battery, um, you're right, Dan. I, I feel like, you know, by the time you're getting ready to upgrade, your battery is either still okay-ish because it's only been like a year and a half or whatever, or like you're you're just ditching the whole phone anyway because you're getting a new one. So it's it's not so much a big deal as I think maybe it was back in those flip phone days. I am still really bitter that they got rid of the, the floppy antenna oh, that no. would pull out from the Nokia phone. <laughs> so I am waiting for Android to answer my demands for that old feature to come back. No, I think I think it's a, rel- a relic of the past, largely. And you know, consumers have voted consistently with their dollars. Like if you ask them to choose between a device with slightly more capability for an edge case versus you know a a phone that's gonna be thinner and lighter like we consistently pick thinner and lighter so it's it's not um really a surprise to me that the the company that specializes in ripping off apple products (laughs) is is moving in this direction uh again so i i don't know it's not really a feature i clamor for um i think everyone else here said this really well so i'll just add um you know at our company we have started working with um porting our games over to Android devices with Unreal 4. So we have a master spreadsheet at our company with like the different graphics card in every single Android phone. It's oh, like trying to oh get binaries to run like simple binaries of like a room with a box in it. It's like question mark, question mark, question mark. Why does this material not run? It's a nightmare. And, you know, like I understand that there are certain Android users out there that do clamor for removable batteries or you know swappable sd card slots but on the engineering side like if you're going to have that functionality well that affects how you write software because you can't like then edge cases start getting introduced into your your possible software you where you could be writing to a sector and suddenly that may not be there that read write location so you know like i guess it's the beauty of the platform but you know from my point of view it's a giant you know pain in the butt excellent well uh that's four topics we have just enough time for a bonus topic uh i've yet not yet gotten a chance to see the new mission impossible movie but i do love spy movies in all their various forms so i wanted to ask you guys since you are all tech savvy people what's your favorite james bond or spy type gadget so i thought about this a lot actually probably too much um <laughs> you know i actually 
I originally, my original answer was going to be the classic, like, cyanide cigarette, actually, like, kind of an old-fashioned oh, wow, nice. thing. But then I was looking on the Wikipedia page for a list of James Bond gadgets, <laughs> just to make sure I didn't <laughs> miss anything crazy. And I saw that there was a bagpipe with a flamethrower uh, <laughs> in The yeah. World is Not Enough. And so now I'm like, hell yeah. So that I'm going to pick that one, because I think that's um, that's a pretty good combo. <laughs> that is amazing. Brianna, what about you? So, yeah, Dan, like me, you live in Boston. So we both understand Boston traffic. So, you know, obviously the gadget needs to have an immense amount of firepower, right? Like, that's just a given. So, you know, anything that would help me just blow cars off the road so I can get somewhere <laughs> in under three hours would be great. So, you know, the, the ghetto blaster from Living Daylights, which is this boombox that shoots missiles, that would be okay. Uh, the wheelchair, you know, with the leg cast missile, that would also be okay. Like I'm trying to get across the street and just blow things up. So really just anything with explosives is good. Nice. Christina, what about you? Man, I don't think I can beat the um, the flame-throwing, um, <laughs> what's it called, bagpipe. Um, but I always, um, I know the more recent uh, James Bond film, films with um, with Daniel Craig have some really cool tech in it, but I also just kind of enjoy um, just like the cool cars, especially like yeah. in the in the older um, you know uh, like seventies era like James Bond like sixties and seventies and eighties and stuff the classic ones. Um, I just like looking at, at the old cars and the car chase scenes and stuff like that. I think that's just kind of awesome and fun. Yeah, that's a fantastic choice. I was gonna pick the uh, the watch that does the laser has a laser cutter in it, but I'm pretty yes. sure that's in the next version of the Apple Watch anyway. Mm. So uh, I yes. will also say in the Pierce Brosnan Tomorrow Never Dies movie when he drives his BMW from his smartphone in the back seat, I always love that car chase scene, and I feel like that's actually another thing that we'll probably have in a year or two. Uh, well, thank you all. I appreciate you so much all for being here. Thanks to my guest Jackie Chang. Thank you, Brianna Wu. Not a problem. And Christina Bonington. Thanks. Uh, and until next time, when Jason Snell will return, I remind you to watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>